Welcome to the 83rd episode of the OpVag Cast. I am, of course, Steve Cuff. Joining me today, I got Jake Trapila. Hey, Steve. How's it going? It's, uh, it's going good. I have a uh, pretty brutal hangover, uh, as I would, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. These three-day weekends, they, they kind of do that to you. <laughs> oh, uh, that sucks. Yeah, so I would recommend once you get into your 30s, maybe don't drink until 6 a.m. That's not really a great idea. And then I woke you know, up at, at 2 o'clock and I was like, in the afternoon, I was like, how the hell did that happen? I had things I wanted to do, but, you know, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Well, um, you know the, the best way to avoid a hangover, right? Oh, uh, I, I drink more water. <laughs> Don't go in the ocean. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was... <laughs> That's great. Or, great. or was that shark attacks? I don't know. I, something like that. Something like that. Maybe. I mean, well, when I go to the ocean, usually what I do is I just open my mouth really wide and then just kind of dunk my head underwater. So yeah. I, I usually don't too, feel too great after that either. But that's that's why I live in Wisconsin, to mostly avoid salt water. Uh, Myros, how you doing? Uh, doing all right, Steve. Doing all right. No brutal hangover? No, no brutal hangover. Yeah, because you had to be up at 6 a.m. to milk the cows while I was just going to bed. <laughs> Uh, well, life on the farm. Life on the farm, baby. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. And, of course, we have our, our guest of honor. Uh, you, you may know him from the OpVac cast or from OptimismVaccine.com or perhaps from his work on FilmInquiry.com. Uh, or maybe you just know him because he's a big old sack of shit. Uh, Sean Glittis is here. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I've never actually listened to the podcast, but I've heard... Uh, faint whispers of it uh, over the last six years. So it's glad to be here. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a violently misogynistic, um, racist podcast. In case you were wondering, so uh, this is alt right cinema hour on the Opfat Cast. And well, actually, m- let's let's get down to it. Sean, you are here for one reason, and it's not because you're basically always here. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is because, as I mentioned earlier, you are a sack of shit. And you, you had a bit of a rainy day online, Sean, and uh, really, we've all been boosting the hashtag justice for Griffin Newman because of your horrible behavior on the, on the internet. What, what happened to you, Sean? What, what are you doing? How can you attack a beloved comedian, actor, and a fellow podcaster like that? Well, I'm glad you asked, Steve, because I, I'm glad you, you have me here to sort of like... Clear my name. Give me this platform. Um, sometimes, you know, you do something just to make your poor papa happy and to give you a little leg up on this world. And then there's people out there that just can't stop harassing you about it. People you don't even know. And you you probably won't understand because you're sort of not on the level of fame that I'm on. But... Um, <laughs> It ever, it, sometimes you just can't t- enough is enough and you just have to sort of just like lash out um, like I said I don't expect you to uh, exactly understand but uh, it just happens and so I just want to ask for forgiveness here Oh, Sean you're, you're going to get no forgiveness at all Sean Glennis is cancelled um, you know it's 
Let's let's talk about Griffin Newman. You know, his 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 mental health. He he did a Woody Allen movie and collected a paycheck, and then begged for forgiveness online. He's a very good person. So, how dare you, you terrible human, uh, for simply pointing out that he was in a movie that he was in? Uh, that is absolutely disgusting of you. But you well, know, to to be fair, he did donate his entire salary. <laughs> To rain. Oh, oh, that's good. Then, that's good. Yeah, and then and, and he made he sure that, we knew like, that, right? Like it was important yeah, that we knew. That so. was yeah, that was one of the parameters of his apology. And you mm. know, after that, he said, "Looks like that was the real rainy day in New York." Mm. Mm. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a marketing. Uh, um, what have you? A, a PR stunt? Yeah. No, I was gonna say uh, it, it was like. Uh, um, uh, tie-in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really good. marketing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's my my favorite way to build my personal brand is to be in Woody Allen movies, even though I know he's a predator, and then apologize for it. And yeah, that's that's really the best you can do. And, and you know how how could he have known in the year 2019? that it was bad to be in a Woody Allen movie and, and thankfully people were there to tell him. Well, so. if, it's a, if it's a one scene role and your parents are proud of you, I think it's okay to take the role yeah. and then I, feel I bad of it that. during it, and after it, and then donate your salary. Yeah, one scene, that's different from, say, six scenes. Oh, man. Um, I mean, which might be I, avoided a real crisis. Yeah. Personally, <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't care. I, it is okay for him to take that role. Uh, but don't then act like some new shit has come to light or something like you, you fucking knew what you were doing that's that's a choice you made what's really uh, what's funny yeah, just shut the fuck up about it yeah yeah and what's what's funny is like what's going on with your dad uh is he like number one ticket holder for the new woody allen film each year who is this guy is anybody is anybody a ticket holder for the new woody allen movies like the dude's pumping him out like one a year i don't think anybody's really well, they really still get made. Shit. Somebody must be watching them, right? I don't know. I I, I wonder why we have such a, a sad little man like Sean Glennis on this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. the guy's just a bug on, on Griffin Newman's shoe. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Griffin Newman's a brave hero of podcasting. He he tweets "fuck you" at Donald Trump like every day. What a hero! I mean. What, it just seems like we got the wrong guy. We should be making a yeah. different phone call when we try to book yeah. our guests. Sean, why are you attacking the leader of the hashtag resistance, man? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. Uh, you cornered me. I don't know. I don't have any he, good he response for that. So, Sean, one of the best things about you getting dunked on online by uh, personal hero and master thespian and hopefully future best supporting actor nominee Griffin Newman is we got a we got a nice comprehensive list of names that people called you uh, when when he decided to oh uh, to to come back at you, Myros, you have that list in front of you. I swear it disappeared from the Slack chat. I, I had uh, oh, well. the whole thing, and then all of a sudden I went back to look at it, and it was like, oh, it, it, it's up from your loins because I have found the list in the archives. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, so. excellent, excellent. So it yeah. wasn't it wasn't scrubbed by uh, by Griffin Newman and and the uh, you know the actors cabal yeah. part of the Epstein ring. Uh, Jake, could you could you read some of those names for us? Absolutely. So we have a, a weird dude, yep, a dickhead, mm-hmm. a weird little loser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I actually sh- let me let me pause you right there? And, and sure. this is interesting to me because if you if you meet Sean Glennis in person, kind of a tall guy, 
pretty tall. As, you know? as opposed to what Griffin Newman, who I mean, charitably, probably by himself on his, his podcast would would probably use descriptors weird and little quite frequently. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Sean, Sean is a little man, but he's little on the inside. Uh, that's that's really, you know, he's he just he doesn't have any self-worth. So uh, please continue. Yeah, so he's Sean may be tall, but he is a quote not on Griffin Newman's level. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think we just mentioned that one. Yeah, um, a poopy head. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. A, a real silly goose. Uh huh. Uh huh. A, a shit stain and a sheep. How old is the average Griffin Newman fan? Do you think? Twenty <laughs> two uh, still lives with her parents. I'm going to guess. Okay, I, I was going to say like, would Woody Allen date the average Griffin Newman fan? Eh, probably not. No, much too old. Much too old. Okay, yeah. uh, that's that's a pretty good list. That's a pretty good list, and I, I think they all track. They all track. I, I'm not. Where's the lie, Sean? Uh, that's a good <laughs> question. My my favorite uh, interaction with all this is somebody went to Sean's uh, letterbox profile, and they looked at his top four, and then they tweeted at Griffin. The guy's a behind enemy lines fan. Probably don't want to talk to him anyways. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sean, what are your thoughts on, on yeah. the... No, it wasn't even Behind Enemy Lines. It was the Behind Enemy Lines series. So, Sean, it's, what's yeah, your favorite movie... Yeah, TV sequels. Yeah, what's what's your favorite scene in Behind Enemy Lines 3, more behinder? Uh, I think the, the series only returns more as it goes along. So, um, 3 is really good, but 4, mm-hmm. better. Yeah, how far behind those lines do we get? Uh, each time, it uh, it increases by... About a hundred more feet or so. So by the, wow. by the third, we're like three. It's like a football field behind. Uh, okay, enemy lines. so it's, it's some real world, some real world building there. That's that's fantastic. So yeah, we're we're putting over the behind enemy line sequels. Uh, the, all of them. They're all great. They're all wonderful. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was a rainy day online for Sean Glynis. And uh, I'm just glad we got to call you out here, and you got to come clean about everything, and everybody knows that you're a sack of shit. And that's that's what really counts. That's what we're about here at Optimism. Yeah, it's like um, it's like when Mark Marin had uh, Louis C.K. on his podcast. Yeah, very similar situation. You, you I mean, you got you got big Louis energy going right now. Um, pe- people have often called you the Louis C.K. of Optimism Vaccine in, in most circles. So it, it all makes sense. It all makes perfect sense. I mean, All I right. bet Sean couldn't even like list the top five box office grossing films of uh, <laughs> September seventeenth, nineteen ninety five. What value do you bring to society, Sean? Uh, again, I you, you got me right in your hairs. Uh, got nowhere to go, Sean. You 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 watch a lot of or you you write a lot of home media review columns, but have you ever stopped to review Sean Glynis? And really reflect on who you are. Where, where, are you, what are your special features? Okay, because this is the commentary track, bud, uh, and it's not looking uh, good for you. Yeah, I'm like a, uh, I'm like a Twilight Time release. Just, <laughs> just throwing it out. You, you, what you cost twenty seven dollars, and it's just the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no special features. No, no special features. Nothing really of value other than other than what you see at face also, value. Also, if you. Um, uh, Provide me with those discs. I hope you're not listening. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we, we ought to give the aftermath of all this, by the way. Uh, Sean did manage to drive Griffin Newman uh, away from Twitter. Uh, it, he was he was very apologetic about attacking uh, Sean, uh, such a, a smaller uh, force on the platform. It was just it amounted to cyber bullying. 
Uh, but, you know, he returned uh, four days later, for those of you who were uh, legitimately concerned about his online oh. witticisms. Uh, he couldn't hold it back for too long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the content machine's got to keep rolling. So, uh, but Sean, really, I mean, if you, if you break it down, you, you told an actor who was in a movie that he was in a movie. Mm-hmm. That's unforgivable. Uh, you refuse to defend being in a Woody Allen movie. That's, that's indefensible on, on your part. It's harassment and in some quarters. It is. It is. And most of all, like, like Myro said, you, you robbed the internet of Griffin Newman content for four days. That's, I mean, that was a tough, you know, 72 hours or so for me personally, uh, just, just waiting for him to come back. So, uh, pretty tough, pretty tough stuff, but anyways, uh, you know, and that's, that's really been it. Uh, other than, you know, the, the Joker trailer dropped and thankfully the discourse has moved away from Sean Glynnis and, and to the, the Joker trailer. And this is my favorite thing about Twitter and, and why it rots my brain. Um, so there's, there's kind of different levels to this. So tiny brain take is, Joker looks good. Okay. Slightly bigger brain take. Joker looks bad. All right. Then the next level is uh, the Joker is just a ripoff of Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. But then the Galaxy Brain. You ready for the Galaxy Brain? Mm -hmm. That's the Joker, a movie that has not been released yet, is actually the the first movie that is truly of the Trump era and also is going to inspire uh, mass shootings. <laughs> this, as, is as films do. this is my favorite. Uh, uh, this is just like my favorite part of media Twitter is when they attribute like actual deaths to like movie. And in some cases like this, a hypothetical death to a film. It's good stuff. Yeah, That's great, too, because it's like, you know, the inevitability in this country is at some point in the next month, there's probably <laughs> going to be another shooting, at which case these people can go point to it and be like, see that one? That's why, that I, was that. That's why I think Christopher Nolan should be in prison. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Should be, should be in prison. Uh, we know that he... He directly inspired the Aurora, Colorado uh, movie theater shooting, and that's all his fault. And yeah, definitely should be thrown into jail. Uh, my favorite, though, this is like out of all the takes, and there's been a lot of bad takes. Uh, Arthur Chu, who won, I think, 12 straight days of Jeopardy. So ostensibly <laughs> oh, <seven> smart days. <laughs> man. Yeah, smart man, ostensibly. Uh <laughs> This this is this is the hot content that he dropped the the big the big take and it is man a dude dressed as the Joker shot up a theater full of people on opening weekend of a Batman movie that didn't even have the Joker in it now they've explicitly made the Joker some kind of aggrieved incel antihero I'm not stupid enough to leave my house to see this movie <laughs> maybe it was just a corrective like uh, yeah the earlier Batman movie caused a shooting. Because it had no Joker in it. So you put mm-hmm. the Joker in it. Nobody dresses the Joker needs uh feel, yeah. feels the necessity to, to appear and do the Joker's work. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a that's a much smarter take on this. I just think it's amazing that like it just it just starts off as like these two things have nothing to do with each other, which is why the similar thing will cause another thing. It's it's insane. This is like just it, his brain has just transcended from his skull and shooting out beams of light. That's that's how just high level this is. 
And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I can't even, I can't wrap my fucking head around it, man. This is, this is insane. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's, uh, it, it's just very. What sucks. <laughs> what's awful is that this is only screened in like one room so far. <laughs> like this is just the tip of the iceberg and most of the people have not seen it. Um, it's going to be unbearable. Oh, it's also yeah, got oh, it's, that fucking oh. disgusting festival buzz, too. It's like, oh, movie of the year, Joker. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Jesus Christ. Although, to, to kind of push back on that, it, it, it like, the festival buzz, it, it, it didn't, uh, it, it dropped it. it Venice was yeah. where it premiered, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And people were it's like, oh, it, right got an, it got an eight-minute long standing ovation at Venice, which that's kind of hilarious, too, because someone, like, hit the timer to make sure that, it, you know, it wasn't ten minutes, it was eight minutes. But, like, didn't, like, Neon Demon get, like, a 20-minute standing ovation? And there's all kind Venice, they'll just clap for anything. They're like fucking seals. Can you so imagine what- clapping for eight minutes? <laughs> No, I, I can't. I can't clap for eight seconds. How can I clap for eight minutes? I've um, there's a there's a real quick. There's a funny gif going around of a Bong Joon Ho at the premiere of Parasite at Cannes. Everybody was clapping, and they were clapping for like also close to eight minutes. And the gif is is him just kind of turning to his co-star or one of his actors and saying, "And they're still clapping. I mean, I want to go. I'm hungry." <laughs> I've heard like in like direct like conversations that I've been a part of of like people who have been at can like defending the idea of giving an ovation like not not the idea but the actual practice like um saying like oh you know you just get swept up in it and it's just like uh it's just all part of the festivities and i it's just there's no world that exists where i'm going to do that now these these are the same people where they go to a concert and the house lights come on, and they keep screaming for another encore, and it's like, no, that means it's done. <laughs> you, you go home. <laughs> it's fucking groupthink, is what it is. Yeah, I just, it's it's just it's nuts to me. So, uh, yeah, don't don't be that guy. Don't don't clap for eight minutes. Little 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 round of applause, sure, but or, or the people where, uh, God, like when you go see a movie at midnight, like the the title card hits or something, and then everybody's just like, yeah. Here comes the yeah. thing I paid for. <laughs> yeah, I'm even okay without the little round of applause. I mean, we could just get rid of that as a society. I can't think of a time where I'm ever uh, doing it authentically. It's just like one of those things where you're like, oh, everyone's fucking clapping. Jesus Christ. I guess I'll do this. Yeah, for a do it. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Might as well. Oh, my God. Well, you know, we don't have to worry about Joker too much because, like you said, it it hasn't actually premiered yet. So this will this will all bubble back up in a few weeks and we're going to have to relitigate all this bullshit. And uh, my brain is going to melt into a pile of primordial ooze. But thankfully, we we have a better action film uh, (laughs) and from a series which you could probably say is a a little more uh, problematic, maybe if if you want to go down that route. But, you know, it's. It stars a man who may not be dressed as a clown, but he does look like uh, like a piece of beef that was set out for three days on a counter and then pounded mercilessly with a hammer. And we're talking about, of course, Gerard Butler and the Has Fallen series. So I, I think these started in, what, 2012, maybe, is when we got 13, Olympus Has Fallen? 13. 13. And then London Has Fallen was the sequel. And Lord knows we need to make the trilogy, so we just got Angel Has Fallen. And you'll note that, uh, that several weeks into release, this is, is currently the number one film in America. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
That's, but it's it's not it's not the first Trumpian film that uh, Richard Lawson has informed us that is, that is in fact the Joker. So you know what's funny uh, about that? Uh, London has fallen. Um, is a film that uh, if you go looking at reviews, uh, it's hard to find one that doesn't uh, invoke Trump. Uh, one uh, high profile review even starts something with like one a one sentence paragraph that says like. This is Trump. This is like Donald Trump at, in movie form, something like that. Um, it, it, it's which it, it is. I just want to circle back uh, using this as as sort of an in way to circle back and just say like these blue checkmark assholes. Just like they don't care about any sort of you know uh, fidelity to history. They just want to do something that's going to sound like they're an expert and that nobody hoping that nobody's paying attention. Yeah. This is God. It's, it's insane to me too, because yeah, it's, it's like they live in a bubble where whatever is out now or about to be released is like the only thing in the entire world. And yeah, there's no, there's no looking back at all. And even, you know, getting past people like, oh, this has, you know, Trump undertones and and shit like that. It's like, man, there's been right wing, shitty, reactionary politics film for decades and decades and decades. Like you go back to any era of film and you can find right wing reactionary nonsense. And maybe you can't slap a Trump label on it because he wasn't a thing. But it's like this. This has always existed. This is nothing new. And I think. Olympus has fallen is a wonderful example of that because it is so like weirdly xenophobic, but more so like just over the top patriotic for no reason. Yeah. And it's like, how can, how can you not make that connection? It's, it's just, it's wild to me. My God. So my favorite part in Olympus has fallen. Well, first of all, actually the, the, the opening 20 minutes of that movie is, is it's, Damn good. It's it's a nice action where they sequence kill, where they kill off the wife because, because they need her out of the picture. Because <laughs> they need her out of the picture. No, I, I was thinking more of the you know when the uh, titular Olympus is uh, is being uh, raided, but uh, before before it just turns into kind of shitty diehard. That whole sequence is great, but there's this this whole scene where they're in the White House panic room and the Secretary of State won't give up the nuke codes. <laughs> And so they're beating the shit out of the Secretary of State. And while the Secretary of State is just getting, like, kicked in the ribs, they're just, like, crawling around on the ground reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> yeah, and keep Which, in mind this is a frail old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is absolutely insane. And on top of that, because you're like, why, why are you just, like, kicking the old lady around? It's this whole thing. But the thing that... that really blows my mind when Olympus has fallen is if I didn't know any better and I just watched it, I would assume it was some high level satire because it plays everything so straight and it's so damn ridiculous. But then I also know in my head that it's not satire and it's, it's really like, you know, hell yeah, America. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an exploitation movie, right? Uh, it's, that's what's funny when it, when like you get these reviews from like squares who just like think that everything needs to be proper. Um, it's like one thing to like contextualize these movies, but another one to be like, this is dangerous media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think if you watch a movie like Olympus has fallen and you're, 
your takeaway from that is, you know, you really absorb the super patriotic right wing reactionary elements of it. I think that's really just you reinforcing your current shitty beliefs. You're not you're not learning anything new. I don't think Olympus has fallen has radicalized anyone. Uh, <laughs> although, sure. although it has it has radicalized me to uh, horrible uh, <laughs> sound effect like Foley work. Uh, as one of my friends pointed out to me, every time somebody gets like punched or shot or they just use these weird sound effects. And, and one of them, I think it's like during the knife fight, it sounds like somebody's just jingling pocket change which is a bold choice um that, that's funny uh i have heard i have read like a convincing argument that the second one london has fallen which uh interesting to note has a new director and one who is iranian swedish director um that that is what you're saying like that it, it's it's so like over the top but straight faces like it's making like this comment like sort of taking it to this extreme where like uh they don't expect you to take this seriously or that's not the text is that it's it's just so far pushed to its limits that it's making a comment on itself um yeah i I don't really remember that much about it, except that it's insane and uh, ridiculous. Uh, I thought it was a good time, but I just like—I I feel like we're at this point where people are are so incapable of critical thinking that you have to like beat them over the head to tell them when things are satire, though, because all I can think of is the is the poster for that JoJo Rabbit movie where they're like, this oh, is a yeah. satire. It is a satire. Satire, satire. Satire, which is like basically that's the, the title yeah, of the movie. Yeah. So bad. Like, God, that's where. Yeah, that's like the, the people who think that like that uh, Joker is um, dangerous in another way and that it's like, we need to, we need to have satire. Like satire doesn't work if people don't understand it. Like that's just like Mm -hmm. insanely condescending. (laughs) Yeah. But this, I mean, this is a level that we're at now. Like you can, there, there should be just like a computer algorithm to generate headlines for vice. Like, Oh, is, is exterminating angel the first escape room movie? Like what? <laughs> this, this, this is the level that we're at, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just give me a printout, like a, a press piece about what the movie is actually trying to say. Uh, so when I'm done watching it, I can just read that and figure that out. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of depressing, too, because just working in the world of of advertising and promotion and and PR and stuff like that. And there's been so many times where I've written a press release about something. And then when like media placements start coming in, you, you realize that the entire article is just a copy paste of the Mm -hmm. press release. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, no one wants to, there's no analysis. There's no thought. There's no commentary. It's just, here it is. We're we're, going to do the advertising for you. And yeah, we're not, we're not putting any thought into it. That's exactly how I felt when I was looking at London has fallen reviews. And even, even some of the angel has fallen reviews, which is a much different movie, but the London has fallen. It's just like, there is no attempt to, and I, I don't know. I, like I said, it, I, it's been too long since I've seen that movie to, to cogently talk about what I think it is, other than just ridiculous. But, um, but there's no, just no attempt by like high-profile media people 
to even unpackage it like and i'm not saying like to call it not a bad movie or whatever like whether they think it's really bad or not it's just like so much just like uh just toting the line like the status quo there's no like attempt to really dive in and and see what the machinations are of this in terms of like plot and visual and filmmaker and all that type of stuff but it's just frustrating to see people go well like um i mean big dave's review of angel has fallen was exactly that it's just like oh yeah this movie's misogynist and and like his wife wants him to quit working because but he's a tough guy and tough like machismo is bad guys and this movie just doesn't get that and it's like just stop it like i I don't know who i i guess like i was gonna say like who wants that but i know like exactly who wants that review and it's like all of his like sycophants but it's just like this isn't criticism this is just like basically copy pasting a a press release except it's not this it's not the one that the movie would put out it's the one that like the quote-unquote like liberal media would put out without actually trying to figure out anything else about the movie yeah that's that's pretty good way of putting it and with things like that it's like yeah you you can point that stuff out but especially with with big dave Ehrlichs and a lot of a lot of the more prominent like very online critics is they 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 don't take any time to talk about how those elements of it like weave into the just what the film is actually about and and how those these things relate like there's no there's no interplay between like yeah okay so it's it's kind of like y- y- the, the gender politics are absolute shit mm-hmm. and they just say that and right. it's just like a bullet point and it's not part of any broader analysis exactly that that weaves into the you know the film narrative and and other things so it's it's fucking useless it's absolutely fucking useless I, I, it's, it's not helping anyone I I don't I, I I question whether this movie merits uh, an in-depth analysis, any of these movies, but nonetheless, I, I think there's like this fundamental like intent to misrepresent such a movie. It is, to my mind, not worth analyzing because it is simply incredibly formulaic and incredibly beholden to its genre. And it is a genre as a whole that, of course, is is laden with questionable gender politics and a right-wing agenda watch 99 percent of action movies that exist on this earth and that is a reality Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting to me too the way that they uh, like they they pick and choose how they're doing these things so it's like man a lot a lot of these these marvel movies are are basically about like you know, imperialism and the police state, and and they also have like just real shitty underlying politics. <laughs> Let's not get into that, though. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, but five stars. No. Yeah, five stars. Five stars. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's a, yeah, and, and I think a great example of that is I think when when Wonder Woman came out, and everyone's just like, oh my god, we you know we love the the representation here and and blah blah blah. But it's like, dude, this is like you could you could take it at face value as a fun action romp and yeah i i guess having that representation is important for some people but also it's like if if you don't address the fact that it's like hyper imperialism the movie like what that's it just seems shitty or even like black panther same thing i I mean i don't know about you but the entire time i was like i kind of like the villain a little bit more i think they got their shit together and didn't didn't like the pentagon like advise the captain marvel's like script 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it, Captain it was Marvel fully endorsed is, by the Air, Air Force too. Yeah, it's like uh, Captain Marvel is the American military rocks the movie. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Go and list today because is, of feminism. Uh, God, people suck. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I think there's interesting. Like, I, I don't think that Angel Has Fallen is a politically like cogent movie like whatever it's trying to say i think it's interesting that it seems to to have i thought some nostalgia for the obama era um (laughs) in that like you have this this president who is on his face like um you know trying to be a humanistic president making choices that that do good for the country and is vocally against private military contracting. And then you have like this assassination on him so that the vice president can take over the vice president who also is in charge of the private military and says stuff like make America smart again. Like that just seems like pretty like obvious, um, uh, which you know, it's like like Myro said, it's all just like genre stuff, and it doesn't doesn't really matter that much. Um, but it's just funny when, you, you, like you said, Steve, when you want to pick and choose on these things because like this, it's just such an easy target. Even if you're wrong, you like nobody's gonna like check and balance you because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't going to see this movie. Um, but it was funny. The there was I think there was a Breitbart headline about like how. Uh, Angel has fallen is like this um, uh, has is like a good piece of parody about Russia's about the claim that Russia uh, was involved in the 2016 election. Uh, (laughs) It's like, no, it's just a dumb action movie. This is is great, too, because all these all these people, you know, you're David Ehrlichs and, you know, oh, you know, people that write for these these bigger online rags that tend to do this like, you know, bullet point non-criticism. They're just it's it's just this alternate universe Breitbart headline, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they they think, well, our our politics are better. Ergo, we can have the same like brain dead takes on everything. Yeah. It's like, no, your politics are better, but you're still fucking idiots and you're doing shitty criticism. So I don't know. Oh God, Jesus! But if we want to get into the actual text of the movie, um, uh, it's all right. Um, I, I had a fun time with this. That's I, all right. Yeah, I think we have. Uh, we should say that um, this is the third uh, director in three movies, much like the Mission Impossible franchise, and uh, this is Rick Roman was. Uh, chance taking the wheel he's a former stuntman uh i can't remember the name of the the movie that that he made that most people saw uh does anybody remember it uh i I don't think i've seen it i thought maybe jake uh would have had it up his sleeve or something but um uh snitch no i shot caller caller, shot caller um yeah and uh anyway he's a former stuntman and and this is yeah this is his uh, turn it a franchise and it's uh i'd say the stunts are good or like if they're stunts i mean the explosions and the gunshots and stuff are are good but like he just doesn't know how to direct an actual like action set piece um or just basic dialogue 
Well, there are bodies engulfed in flames that are being blown into bodies of water, yeah. which is all, all looks very nice and practical. Uh-huh. So he's got he's definitely got a stuntman's eye for action. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a really fun time, uh, and I would say it's probably the best of the three movies um, because while the other two kind of feel like these hyper exploitation films with the Superman, here Gerard Butler, who I think we should say is the probably the unsung hero of recent action movies. Oh yeah, uh, he he plays like a real credible guy who has problems in the movie, and it's he's also there's this article that's been going around about how. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham, like, they have contracts where they can't, in their, you know, their agreements with films that they can't, like, be, like, they can't lose a fight. Oh, and they right. basically can't can't really look sh- like they, they're losing or they look grimy. Like, Gerard Butler is not afraid to lose on camera, and he's not afraid to, like, get grimy and look dirty and filthy and just become so mm-hmm. haggard uh, that, like, at the end of the film, he's just, like, covered in blood and soot. And it's 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 excellent. It's a really fun time. Yeah, I, I will I, say uh, like the the Gerard Butler recent like last couple of years turn into just weird cheap deadbeat exploitation dad. cinema. Yeah, deadbeat yeah. dad is amazing. Like this is the Gerard Butler Renaissance that we are in, and and years from now we will look back fondly on it because it's wild to me that this guy. You know, he starts his career as this, you know, oh, cut and chiseled the 300 movie and all that bullshit. And then he transitions into romantic comedies, which the idea Uh. of Gerard Butler being convincingly handsome and lovable in any movie is hilarious to me now. (laughs) And now it's the last couple of years. He just said, fuck it. And he looks like. He just exfoliates his skin every morning with shards of glass. <laughs> he's he's transitioned from chiseled and cut to just... He looks like a guy who used to play high school football and then got a desk job because he blew out his knee or something. And he's just... Like, he's still kind of jacked, but also he just looks like he's been through some shit. It's perfect. He's, he's perpetually sweaty and filthy. He looks like he needs a bath all the time yeah it's it's great i love it well um, I, I would uh posit he's looking uh he's looking good next to nick nolte well uh, yeah i was gonna say well first um <laughs> nick nolte is purple he looks like grimace he's grimace in a gray wig I, yeah that's how you make gerard butler uh look like a sexy lead still you're like ah uh, who we're gonna co-star with morgan freeman and nick nolte yeah earlier this week uh on vulture uh Bill Shabiri uh, wrote an article that was titled, I think I love Gerard Butler, which was like cute and decent, but I I didn't think it kind of went far enough, or at least as far as it should for somebody who has. So you're saying you, you want to you want to fuck Gerard Butler like that would be I, I want to fuck Gerard Butler is a better headline. First of all, there was uh I mean, basically, yeah. But uh, first of all, there's like one mention of Den of Thieves, which is just not enough. But um, it it doesn't go far enough to sort of talk about the actual like palpable like stench that he gives off in these performances. Like just the actual like, yeah, uh, this off-putting deadbeat dadness is really palpable and um in something yeah, like he's, he's the human embodiment of yeah deadbeat dad cocaine hangover that's just what he looks like <laughs> yeah and uh it, it's 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 really good stuff but the nick nolte inclusion in this um installment which i think is really good and and nolte's you know acting his ass off um but uh it works as like this because the the character diegetically is like there to show um 
Gerard Butler's character, like what he will become if he doesn't stop just like giving his entire mind and body over to his country without asking for anything in return. Um, because that's that's what happened in Nick Nolte. He just like served his country and his, he realized that his country doesn't care about him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I really like, yeah, that they have like this gross old man um, to sort of like show what he can become. Yeah, it's like <laughs> whoever whoever did like hair and makeup. Uh, it, it looks like their advisor on the film was Tom Waits or something. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like everybody. You, you just, every time Nick Nolte's on screen, he's just like. <laughs> and then I, I, the purpleness of Nick Nolte, I can't get over either. <laughs> like it, so, every, every before he shot every scene, they asked him to hold his breath for ninety seconds. <laughs> Uh, I mean, when he talks, he sounds like he's letting out as much, as little air as possible. Yeah. It's a very high-pitched squeak. I appreciate that they both uh, were game enough to take their shirts off in the mid-credit sequence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Perhaps the most baffling (laughs) mid-credit scene you'll ever see in your life. I don't know. I've been clamoring for more topless Nolte for at least 20 years, so, you know, I'll take it. Uh, now we just need a, a career renaissance for Gary Busey. Uh, you bring bring back his his Point Break era, and I, I think that'd be good. Maybe 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 buddy cop with Nolte, uh, Gary Busey, and Gerard Butler. And then is is there anyone that can be the rookie cop who's like twenty but looks like they're sixty? Do we have anyone like that? Uh, those people don't work in Hollywood, Steve. <laughs> oh, come on, Griffin Newman. Griffin Newman. There we go. I um. I'm I'm a little worried about the franchise as somebody who likes the franchise or at least likes going to see them every three years. Um, I'm a little worried that they aren't sustainable, even though this has been at the top of the box office for two weeks. It's only made three million atop its $40 million budget. Um, And uh, the last one barely, the last one only made two million above its $60 million budget. So, uh, Uh, Sean, Sean, uh, let me stop you. I mean, I'm sure you'll get to your point, but I wouldn't be too worried about your beloved franchise here because, uh, like, this has not uh, reported any foreign gross yet, but if you look right. at London has fallen, it made $143 million overseas. Oh, okay. So these movies <laughs> yeah. are banking internationally for whatever the fuck reason. That gives me... Uh, it's because everybody loves America so much. I guess. <laughs> that gives me hope because I, I was... Just looking at the domestic uh, slips, I was, I was kind of worried about it and worried that it's that the only way that a movie like this could survive or be reasonably made would be in DTV. Uh, but Butler isn't exactly at that stage of his career yet. Um, and, but I do think that, and this is another cause for concern, I guess, or a true cause for concern for the franchise is that, um, Butler and Roman Waugh seem to have a really good relationship. Like I think he commissioned him for this and, uh, I don't see him going anywhere, but I really do. Uh, I, I really do not like the way that the conversation stuff, just like basic day to day stuff is shot in this where it's just like so chaotic. And he, he does this annoying thing where every time there's just a shot reverse shot, the foregrounded face is fuzzed out. And it's like, this isn't style. This is just like somebody 
messing around because you don't know what you're doing like you don't actually feel secure in it making like a real movie you just want to kind of do some filler and then get to the exciting shit um so i I mean maybe he'll grow as a director if he ends up doing the next one but uh he doesn't seem to be a real action director of of any great merit yet yeah, I had yeah. Uh, a lot of issues with the way this was directed. I'll say that. I mean, I had a lot of issues with... I, I did have fun with this movie, but I had a lot of issues with uh, a lot of aspects of it. it. It seems incredibly loosely connected to the rest of the franchise, as it were, because uh, most of the supporting cast is just recast. <laughs> like, yeah, they, I guess yeah. as as Gerard Butler has grown to resemble sentient hamburger, they decided he needed a, a sexier <laughs> wife, so they recast his wife. Well, I will uh, say, I, I will say that, um, yeah, Piper Parabo is replacing Rada Mitchell, who is uh, reportedly um, out due to schedule conflict, because um, when they were dealing with uh, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman apparently, since he since he makes like eighteen movies a year, uh, only had a small window, and so they kind of had to go based on his schedule, and uh, that meant Rada Mitchell was out. Or, or is, they could have made the choice to not cast Morgan Freeman. He's not the president of any of the other movies. I mean, Aaron Eckhart's schedule is probably pretty fucking clear these days. <laughs> but it is yeah. funny that they went younger. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she's not substantially younger, but she uh, looks like less age appropriate for whatever reason. She's a she's a young mid, early forties, but she uh, Rod Mitchell looked like a much more appropriate uh, mm-hmm. wife character for uh, this version of a Gerard Butler. But nonetheless, um, yeah, there is a president has changed as well for whatever reason, uh, and it's tremendous. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the th- there is a lot of, of strange choices in this movie, but uh, my biggest gripe with it is the action. Like, I, I, the script is very perfunctory. Like, it could be a very fun action movie. I was telling Sean, it reminded me a lot of uh, John Woo's Broken Arrow, which is a movie I dearly love. Uh, it's dumb as shit, but it is sublimely entertaining 90s action film. And this movie does have a lot in common with it. I think uh, Danny Houston's character is a very easy analog for Travolta in that film. But Mm -hmm. this movie loses me a lot because I found a lot of the action to be just intangible and incomprehensible. It was just very much things happening, loud noises, Uh, especially in the climax of the film. Uh, where they're storming some nondescript building and it sets it up like these you've got Danny Houston and you've his his crew, which is seemingly an infinite uh supply of of soldiers who uh work for this Blackwater analog and are just heavily armed experts at everything, but I it, it, at the end it seems like they've gotten whittled down. I mean they're they're in this <laughs> pursuit in trying to assassinate the president there's like a couple of suburbans worth of guys, and then that crew uh, <laughs> travels from one fo- building. It's a real to- foot soldiers situation. Yeah, they travel from one building to the next. They take casualties. They're in a heavy firefight, and it establishes 
they're hunkered down. Gerard Butler's setting up this subterfuge, and it's just him and the president and uh, the head of the head of the Secret Service, also a recast, now Lance Reddick, uh, instead of uh, Angela Bassett. But, yeah. So, Angela, Angela has fallen. Yeah, right. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, we, we set that up, and we set up Danny Houston walking in with, like, four heavily armed to the teeth guys. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get, like, a, a meat and potatoes, four heavily armed men coming at just Gerard Butler is going to have to outwit these four guys. And then when the scene commences, I have no idea of any of the spatial relationships of any of these people. It, it suddenly seems as if Danny Houston has entered the building with about 50 armed men. And uh, it, it's just it goes big in ways that don't make sense. Sometimes you want a more intimate hand to hand action scene. And this cannot deliver that at all. And it's. It's very much an issue where I just could not connect with that finale because I was like, I, I don't understand visually what is happening here. I do. Uh, I wasn't really bothered by any of that stuff. Um, I think the action is actually rather solid uh, for a film like this. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of spatial relationships are kind of lost and it's very pedestrian. But um, I mean, as far as as far as just a white screen explosion extravaganza uh, that sounds annoying in theory but I had just a really good time and I think as far as the number of troops I think uh, it's just a testament to good old Jerry Butler that uh, he's killing all of them <laughs> I, I mean when when he comes out of nowhere and blows up that helicopter at the end that was immensely satisfying I think the I think the um, the drone attack which is like the centerpiece and the Nick Nolte like uh, compound explosions are extremely yeah. satisfying filmmaking like I think the the drone oh, yeah. the drone stuff is like I, I, it it uh, surprised me in, in just how satisfying it was and Myros and I had the uh, surprise luxury of seeing this in one of these, you know, big, extra big theaters um, with a better sound system, which definitely helps sort of feel the rumble. Um, I like that a lot. And I also like that this script uh, changed it up from just a straight siege movie to do this like fugitive thing um, because it just keeps it from being like the same deterministic plot. And it just gives you even, even. Not that this is a surprising development, like in terms of what happens in the movie, but it's just nice to have a switch up. See, I think maybe my issues are less specific with this movie and just kind of endemic to the modern action film. I, I just sure. I just want him to fight a heavy at some point. Can we have a heavy? I, I feel like I, I just get so tired of constant escalation where it's, you know, you mm-hmm. could watch a movie like commando and that has this ridiculous thing of arnold fighting an entire army at the end of it but a i understand that he's going to fight an entire army uh that is established in the script it's not just like oh he's going to fight these four guys who have multiplied endlessly uh Mm -hmm. and and again it ends with him fighting a heavy and throughout the film there's a lot of one-on-one encounters with these villainous people and and this movie it was just like Danny Houston would locate him out of the blue and 700 armed men would just descend upon them and explosions would ensue. And it's like, yeah, there are times 
I would not disagree. I thought both of the action scenes you cited were uh, satisfying, but they're just this this movie could do explosions. It just couldn't do any of the more intimate stuff at all. And and that includes dialogue as well. I I wish it had more room to breathe. Like the stuff with Nolte was it felt really truncated. I'll say that. I I wanted more of it. And it it was just like Gerard Butler arrives at Nick Nolte's uh, cabin in the woods and they feign at having like a heart to heart. And then Gerard Butler just like dozes off and is immediately assaulted by 700 <laughs> men with machine guns. So it, it, you, you just want a little more character work in there, too. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, just to, to double back on the political stuff, like the if you really or at least the problem that I found if I was going to like you to really uh, pick a bone with this film's political stance it would be that um, Danny Houston which is who's sort of like the boss of this Blackwater organization um, he explicitly says at the end or in the third act something like um, we you know I don't do this I don't keep this stuff up to you know for profit uh, I do this for the feeling of combat he keeps going on and on about like the feeling of combat and how he misses that from his army days and that seems that seems nefarious politically like to hide the fact that these contracting organizations in real life uh, are all about war profiteering we're lions, Sean. Yeah, lions. That's the line. Uh, I don't know. I think it's it is a very perfunctory action movie that uh, scratched a certain itch. But I, yeah. I don't know. I would be hard pressed to recommend it. I'm not the fan of the franchise that Sean is. I, I think this yeah. is probably the only movie in the franchise that I even uh, moderately enjoyed. Did you like it more or less than John Wick Three? Uh, I think I liked it less, but they're not that far apart, surprisingly. (laughs) (laughs) John Wick 3, a film you hated? I I think they both are very flawed movies in in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, this movie almost I that's another thing I said to Sean is this made me realize why people are so into John Wick because that movie understands how to film action in a way that most modern action films have forgotten entirely because I I didn't have a problem comprehending action scenes in, in John Wick. It's just I had a problem comprehending any fucking dialogue in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I, I think that's that's a big takeaway, too, is people aren't as interested in so yeah the intimate level of of action films and that hand-to-hand combat stuff and uh i've I've been watching some jackie chan stuff recently and just watching what they do both in terms of big set pieces but really just the beat to beat action is it's incredible like seeing it it feels so fresh today just because so much of the action films that i watch it's in theaters or, or dtv or whatever you kind of lose that. And as soon as they get into close quarters, it just turns into a big muddy blur. So yeah, I think John wick does that really well, which makes it refreshing. And yeah, just going back and and looking at action films from the seventies and the eighties, especially it's like, damn, why, why don't more people do this? I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense to me. 
Uh, well, uh, I think we can um, put to bed uh, Fealty Has Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you. All right, guys, any, any final thoughts on this thing? Uh, go see it. Well, yeah, go see you, it. You know, I'm amused by the casting, too, because they always try and pull that. And it's a classic, like, cheesy blockbuster action move to have the traitorous character. But this movie is real boffo at its casting because it's like minute one. And it's like, oh, I bet you Danny Houston's playing a real fucking nice guy. I'm sure he's a friend to the end. And, and same with the vice president is Tim Blake Nelson. It's like, yep. Right. I wonder where this is headed. <laughs> and then it does like the voice or the, the faceless voice. Uh, it's like, hmm, that could only be one of two people, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that if you enjoyed the other movies in the series, or if it, at least you were entertained by them, then this is probably your shit. Uh, alternatively, if you are a single father in cut off jean shorts <laughs> and you drive a pickup truck, also one hundred percent your shit. It's pretty much long and short of it. Yeah, yeah, could we say Twitter that's obsessed with uh, you know films being made for every every demographic? We got to represent everyone. That stop complaining about this sort of movie because it is not geared towards you. It is for a specific demographic. It's for dads in <laughs> jean shorts, and they can have yeah. their fucking Republican movie, and you could shut the fuck up about it and let them watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dad could be watching a lot of shit that's worse than this, probably. So if if you find yourself, you know, and this is probably going to be on. Blu-ray sooner rather than later uh, on TV shortly thereafter, I'm sure. So when you're home for the holidays this year, if dad wants to watch a movie with you, this is this is a good one. This is an olive branch to dad. It's it's fine to sit through. There's some good parts of it. It's entertaining. It moves pretty briskly. And and dad's going to love it. Dad's love it. Yeah, don't don't disrespect the dad canon ever. It's important. Oh, maybe before we move yeah. on, we should uh, highlight that end credit scene a little further because what what in the tin fuck was happening there? So they're in a sensory depri- de- deprivation tank, right? Together, yeah, to um, bond and clear their heads and minds. I don't. Know, it comes out of nowhere. It plays like a, a blooper, right? A gag yeah. thing, and um, I don't think it's going to have any narrative thread with the next one i'm sure it's a real sequel setup that the sequel is i don't know which you you gotta admire right (laughs) like it's not it's just so bozo it's like hey we had a few extra hours with these two actors let's uh (laughs) let's put them in a bathtub (laughs) it's just such an insane thing it's what the dads are clamoring for because it's not even a one-off scene it's like a string of short seeds where he's like well i'm thinking i might go to this place you want to come along nick dolte he's like uh and it's so tonally off from the rest of it yeah it it is it very much a blooper but used the way a, a stinger is used and it just yeah. reads as completely fucking insane <laughs> <laughs> oh lord all right boys well let's wrap things up here um myros what are you putting over this week Oh, I am putting over uh, the maybe the only time I'll ever put over a video game. But no, I uh, have long uh, struggled with this uh, roguelike conceit because as a very uh, a thrifty individual, especially when it comes to entertainment, I the idea of a game that is is sort of endless, you could perpetually play is appealing. But most of these games 
have uh, a difficulty spike that it is it, it makes it inaccessible for me personally i'm i don't have i i might want to like casually throw an hour or two at a game endlessly but i don't have you know 50 hours to throw at it to get decent at it and make any headway whatsoever so i found this game called uh, streets of rogue that is uh it, it's not easy but it's also really fun even if you're not making progress because it's it's just a, a top-down roguelike where you're basically allowed to you're given missions and you're allowed to solve those however you want and it, it gives you a lot of options and it's very humorous and entertaining and uh yeah, I, I just I'm having a lot of fun with it, and uh, I think it's kind of my yeah. gateway into this genre a little bit. I, I've tried with a couple others, and uh, this is the first one I've ever really been able to uh, sink my teeth into. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend it. It's zany and uh, fun, and yeah, you can just throw an hour at it here or there, and you'll have fun with it. Yeah, for all the for all the gamer boys out there, it's that haven't played this uh, gamer boys and girls for that matter. Uh, it's kind of Deus Ex, right? Like the same type of thing where here's your mission. You can you can solve it in a million different ways. But like you said, in kind of a humorous top down way, and it's got a pretty gentle learning curve. So also, I, w- I would give it a thumbs up recommendation. Uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Well, as much as I want to put over Fred Durst, the fanatic, uh, I'll <laughs> save that for another time um, because it doesn't look like we're going to do an episode on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, if you have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you should go check it out. Um, Tarantino uh, makes really enjoyable movies. Um, that's really all there is to it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a really great uh, quote unquote hangout movie, which is a, a film that he's done in the past. It's very much akin to um, Jackie Brown uh, in that it, there's not really much uh, narrative propulsion. It's more just scenes of characters talking and hanging out. And uh, he does that sort of thing very well. And it's filled with great performances and it's beautifully made, uh, like probably the best use of money to re create 1969 hollywood with the period look and um yeah go see it it's it's a lot of fun and i've seen it twice now and i love it yeah i I think the um i i liked it as well and that was that hangout vibe that sort of lack of narrative proportion was probably what uh ingratiated me to it the most it's just like oh like and and you know it's not like they're just like um doing this like tarantino quit be dialogue they're just hanging out and it's like about their relationship um but it was it's just like two hours passed by before i was like oh this is just the this is just the um the dynamic it's it's not about like uh this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and this is set up like it's just sort of it's just hanging out yeah uh sean what are you putting over this week um, I've been making my way through uh, Indicator's new box set on um, Joseph von Sternberg and Marlena Dietrich, um, which is extremely good. And um, it's crazy because it's probably uh, one of, if not the best uh, home video release of the year by a lot of metrics, um, which is crazy because Criterion put out a box last year 
of the same films. And so it seems like on paper, it would be an easy thing to do. That is, that would seem duplicative, uh, just for another region. Um, but it's just, um, insanely stacked with stuff. And, um, the movies are also, uh, incredible. I've, I've, seen four of them now and some of them are like some of the best stuff I've I've seen especially from that pre-code era so um really mm-hmm. really like that yeah I've I actually I have the Criterion box set and I've only watched uh Morocco mm-hmm. but I was I was kind of blown away by it because just on a base level it, it, it feels like just a lot of the, the the dramas from that time period, like it is it is very much of its time. But at the same time, you just look at it like God, like every single shot is just like a beautiful photograph. Oh, it's just gorgeous to look at. It really draws yeah. you in. I think yeah. um, so. Uh, Morocco is. I, I think Morocco is great, um, and I think Dishonored like ups the ante on that level of like there's not a single shot in there that is not only it doesn't look good but like doesn't look great like it's so expressive and um just in terms of like if you're not familiar with his work um go into it like a little primer is just like that he makes he made movies that were um that foregrounded just expression and not you know plot was so secondary to anything else going in there um Mm -hmm. it was like studio stuff and it's all artifice and it's like marlena daytrick's face and interesting shadows and sets um just like pulled into the foreground and it's so fun and cool yeah no it's 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 great stuff uh that's a good recommendation all right well I'm putting over uh, two things this week because I can, because uh, I'm hosting this fucker, so I'll do whatever I want. Uh, first thing, if you are tired of uh, David Ehrlich bullet point feminism film criticism, check out Another Gaze. It's great. It's uh, an awesome film journal. I think they have a new issue that's out this month or last month, August, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a little pricey. It's, uh, I think... It's a UK magazine, so you might be able to pick it up at a local bookstore, have them order it for you, or you can buy directly. I think it's it's about ten pounds. Uh, and shout out to Brexit because the pound is in the <laughs> shitter right now, so it's actually more affordable than ever. And also, I think they do digital versions, which that that might be a, a better option if you're looking to you know save a little cash. But I would highly recommend getting the physical version just because it's it's you know it's beautiful, it's comprehensive, comprehensive. The writing is great. Uh, it's it's really just fantastic all around. So check that out. Another gaze. Also, as I mentioned before, I've been I've been watching some Jackie Chan lately. I watched Police Story for the first time in oh god, like fifteen twenty years almost, and it is unbelievable. It's as good as action comedy gets. And and you want to talk about uh, you know great car scene, car chase scenes. In the opening of this movie, like in the first 20 minutes, Jackie Chan literally destroys an entire village. It's one of those things where it's just absolutely jaw-dropping, big action movie stuff that I crave. And then the just beat-to-beat fight choreography is some of the best. And then the physical comedy, too, which I know like Jackie Chan gets a lot of credit for, but you can't emphasize it enough. Just some of the stuff that he does is unbelievable so if you haven't watched police story in a while or if you've never seen it check out police story jackie chan is the only cop that i respect and i'll stand by that so (laughs) with that uh yeah if if you like the podcast do us a big favor there is a link in the description below 
that'll take you to our iTunes page. Please give us five stars and a written review. It helps us out immensely with the discoverability of the podcast. Someone had the audacity to give us three stars. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> it was an honest review. It's just like, that's yeah, okay. find it? I, I don't know. But like three stars is weird because normally with podcasts, it's either one star, fuck these guys, or five stars, this is great. So it was weird to see a three-star review. I appreciate the honesty, but uh, we got we got it's it's like with Uber, man. You know, you puke in one guy's sedan, and all of a sudden your rating tanks. Uh, we need to get <laughs> we need to get back up there. So please, if you have not yet, really, really super important. Uh, just take two seconds. Just click it. Five stars. This show isn't bad. Written review. That's it. That's all we need. Uh, you can also check us out on. We're on Stitcher as well. Uh, we'll be on Google Play Music and Spotify shortly. But yeah, you can go over to Stitcher if, if that's your preferred podcast platform, and you can rate us there too. If you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can tweet us at Optimism Vaccine, or you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail dot com, and our dutiful secretary Myros will probably not respond to you, but maybe he will. Uh, other than that, Sean, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm, I, you know what? I think I'm going to stop using Twitter. I, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know if it's healthy for me anymore yeah. to be log on there. Off, log off for four days, man. It's the only solution. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jake, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, well, the name Griff Lightning recently became available, so you can find me there. Um, no, <laughs> kidding, of course. Uh, I met Jake Tropila on all things T-R-O-P-I-L-A. Myros, mm-hmm. he doesn't use Twitter, but like I said, you can email him. I don't know. You guys are putting forth a, a pretty convincing case. It doesn't seem like it's filled with self-aggrandizing <laughs> assholes at all. I think I, no, there's, there's none of those. Yeah. There's none of those. Uh, yeah, so it's it's too bad because I know you you have a uh, an upcoming role in Untitled 2020 Woody Allen project. So I, I don't know how we're going to drag you online if if you know you're not on there. But we'll find out a way. We'll find out a way somehow. Anyways, you could you could tweet at me at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C U F F. And uh, yeah, th- I think that's about it. So uh, we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.